Hey guys, this is Into the Fray. I'm Austin Neil Gregory, your host. And on this episode, we have Noah Blunt from Northside Baptist Church in Valdosta on with us. And I'm recording this like I did with Andrew Rowland's episode right after me and Noah got done talking. Reason why is like Andrew, Noah just gave me such an excitement. Like I went into this conversation, uh, me and Noah haven't spent a lot of time together. Uh, we had him and his girlfriend Kirsten Lay over for dinner one night, and that's really the only experience I've had with him besides like he he was at my wedding. But as we got to talking, not only did the conversation flow beautifully, like no struggle whatsoever, I felt like. But Noah hearing his heart behind why he wants to be a senior pastor, why he has this love for youth ministry, why. Like his his goals within ministry was encouraging because of some of my criticisms of church life right now and church culture. Um, I've talked about it before. I, I'm struggling with some of the cult personality stuff that I see happening in churches, even small churches, not just mega churches like Hillsong or Marseille. It's happening in uh, smaller churches, and I think. What you'll gain from this episode is not only an appreciation for Noah and his authenticity, his transparency about real things he struggled with over the years growing up, and uh, you get to hear a lot from his personal side and his personal story and how Jesus came and changed his life, but also he is incredibly wise, and his, his heart for ministry to pass the baton, as he'll say later on, that's rare. Like, I cannot express how rare that is. So, not only has it been encouraging the last few weeks having Noah on, but also Andrew Rowland, two guys, you know, in my age range, in ministry, and hearing their heart for the ministry, and just being inspired. Like, I'm incredibly thankful for guys like Noah, Andrew, Ryan Adams, people who are younger in the ministry and them having these pure intentions. I I really pray that all of us we not we don't fall victim to the toxicity that can exist in the church. And I think that uh I think what Noah's doing over there at Northside is freaking incredible. I'm I'm really blown away because Northside, it's a big church in our area. I am encouraged knowing that 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 what you'll hear on this episode is Noah's actual heart for ministry. It's encouraging to know that at a big church like Northside, they have someone like Noah over there who's, you know, he's he's doing the work and he's doing the personal work. He's doing the actual like ministry work. Um, and so I I'm just saying. Enjoy this episode because you will. And go ahead, also subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, if you want to check out what else we got going on at Into the Fray, you can go to our website. It'll be the link in the description. And I'll take you to IntoTheFray.com. There you'll have blogs, you'll have uh, links to our social media, to the podcast. Also, uh, this is obviously a bonus episode. Because we have shifted some things in the lineup, episode lineup of Into the Fray. As you heard last week, 
we are starting a series going through the Book of Galatians episodes are shorter. They're like 20, 30 minutes, 30 minutes at the most usually. Um, I think last week it's like 14. Anyways, the lineup is different. We'll have more like devotional type content on this channel. But the beautiful part of this is we'll have interviews like with a Noah and an Andrew and some others that I'm looking forward to connecting with uh, as bonus episodes. And you'll get to hear some of the heart behind some of the ministries and the churches in our local area. So just stay tuned. Also, share this on share this episode on Facebook, Instagram, share it to your story, send it to your first five friends, send it to your group chats or whatever you got going on. This greatly helps the podcast spread the word about not only what we're doing at Into the Fray, what we're doing at the bridge, but also what's going on at Northside or Refuge or First Baptist Tifton, wherever, you know, Grace Baptist in Naylor. Um this this spreads awareness about hey there are good things going on in the church and we really want to highlight that so thank you food that they work with red cross and the salvation army mm-hmm. so there's honestly i can't even tell you how many people probably around that hundred if not a little over a hundred number um of people that's come out from all over the u.s i know a lot from texas and alabama and mississippi and so it's teams that um local uh baptist organizations under southern baptist um they send out teams and so they're staying at our church right now and so they got cots and air mattresses. They sleep there. They help prepare food for people. Oh, wow. And then there's a teams that, that go out. If you have a tree down or if you need help cleaning up your yard, like they they got tractors, all kind of equipment. They, they will clean your yard and no cost. Oh, sweet. Yeah, okay. it's it's really cool. I, I did not know Southern Baptist had that. And I was like, I well, didn't either. That's cooperative program <laughs> right there. Okay. <laughs> so it's really cool. Uh, is that, is there... I think this is his name, Charlie Banks. Mm-hmm. I've been very appreciative of this podcast. Really? Because I, because we're friends on Facebook, anything you're tagged in, I see. Yeah. And so I remember seeing, like, you get tagged in something a while back uh, because of his podcast. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, I'll check it out, like, eventually. And then when we were, the first time we were going to record, I the days before I had listen to the first episode and then he came out with another one mm-hmm. of like an update because you've been like israel and all this stuff and i was like this is the first guest i have like i can prep for <laughs> everyone else is that's like, funny i might go stalk your facebook to yeah like try to find something <laughs> yeah but most people aren't posting that much on there for me to actually be like okay so tell me about this yeah <laughs> so he's like he did a lot of work for me. I was like, yeah, this is yeah. sweet. Charlie is a <laughs> cool dude. I, I love his podcast. Um, and what I loved about his, because I listen to your episodes, I listen to Daniel Holcomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's one other person, uh, but Charlie's such a great speaker. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you should be like the next Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is, like, he's got a, 
I'm assuming this is just how he naturally is, but like he's got this like natural charisma. Mm-hmm. That like, I the thing with his podcast is it's a lot of interviews of people in y'all's church, right? Yes. Okay. So that like I I, I know this because we've done it at the bridge. It doesn't to outsiders. We're not like yeah Noah Blunt. Is that how you say your last name? Yeah, you're okay. right. Yeah. Okay. Noah Blunt. Like, can't, like I've been waiting for this day. It's like. No, he's introduced. This is like your introduction to the world, mm-hmm. and yet he has so much excitement in his voice, just naturally, yeah. that he amps you up, con- like in every episode for whatever guest he's about to introduce you yeah. to, and so it, it like he's like perfect for that. Yes, of, and I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, he should like if y'all aren't using him to like start off Sunday morning y'all definitely should like, <laughs> that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> he is so good at this and he's young like, yeah senior like, in high school okay yep uh, that was the other thing that blew my mind because at first I was listening to him and I was like okay he's probably like some like college like student or whatever and he's he's this is part of like his internship or something I don't know and then I hear that he's in high school yeah I was like what kid in high school sounds like this <laughs> mindful i'm thinking about the high school kids at the bridge i'm like man we need to get like charlie to come over here and like amp y'all up y'all are... <laughs> a little too sad on Wednesday nights. see charlie um, be like charlie <laughs> yeah oh, that's cool but yeah he's he's an awesome student having the ministry he's becoming a huge leader on wednesdays and sundays and even as Northside as a whole, when it comes to any type of event or promotion for anything, he is like the biggest advocate for it. He will post it everywhere, talk to everyone about it, unashamed, and it's just awesome. It's yeah. really cool. <laughs> okay. So, what is y'all's internship program like? Because I, I feel like I've seen a few different posts on different people who mm-hmm. went through it, and I think you may have talked to me about it before. Uh, is that... Yeah, what, what what what's the goal with internship? Yeah, so it's changed over the years. It's it's kind of just I think Northside trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, like I think for myself, I was the fifth or sixth intern that's come through Northside. Oh wow! Um, it started out um, originally. It was just one intern at a time, and they were full time there all day. And do y'all pay them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah paid internship um and so full-time and it was really just they served one specific ministry um is it a ministry they get to choose or yeah it's kind of whatever their passion is um like i think our first intern he interned under the worship ministry because he sang played the guitar he was talented in that area so they put him there um and so other uh, interns that's come through uh, after that, they served, I think, under either youth or college um, because they were wanting to go that way in ministry. Um, when I started, my passion was youth ministry, but I didn't start interning under youth ministry. So my main connection to Northside in kind of 2018 and 2019, even though I was still in youth, I helped lead the media at Northside. And it was just volunteer um, I had always been a part of it, and there was a, a slot that needed to be filled, so I just helped fill it um, and what I could. Yeah. Well, then our worship pastor came, or new worship pastor came in 2018, 2019, and uh, 
he brought me on to be his intern in 2020. So I was in, I am not talented any all musically. It's not me. But I interned under the worship ministry because it's connected to the media ministry. And so I interned under him for a year and a half and then moved into a full-time position. But so that's how interns were. They were full-time for a while. But then two summers ago, they were, they started to change how they do it where it's just a summer internship. But doing it that way, they're able to do more interns. And so I think we had either four four interns I think that summer okay. one for kids one's for youth one's for music and then one uh, was kind of under the administrative side so working like in the offices okay. um, specifically that's sweet yeah um, and so that that was I think my favorite setup of internship because you're able to get more uh, mm-hmm. students or they, those were college then uh, college people connected where it's not just one here one there yeah um but one of those interns, Daniel, he was able to stay on full-time um, because, I mean, he, he worked hard at it, and yeah. he showed that he filled a huge need and a hole in the worship ministry. Um, and so, so what does he do? Uh, so yeah, he interns under Pastor Jess still, and so his kind of main responsibilities are, I mean, getting things ready for Sunday, lyrics, that kind of thing, but um, he helps lead our youth choir. That's a huge part of his responsibilities. Okay. Um, helps with music. When you say music. Pastor Jeff? Scoggins. Okay. Not Lay. Okay. I was yeah. like, is Jeff Lay a pastor? <laughs> he's on staff. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. He's our um, uh, orchestra guy, and he, he's over the orchestra and the band. I did not know that at all. Yeah. How long has that been? Um, was this at the last Christmas? I think it was before then. Maybe, I'm just, I know it's been over a year. It may be okay. getting close to that two-year mark. Okay. Yeah, that is, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, his he has more responsibilities than just like, but his like main thing is like on Wednesday nights, like when we have uh, like uh, rehearsal. He works with orchestra and band, but then also like if our main worship pastor Jeff Scoggins is out, he's the guy who will lead worship and lead the choir and all that. So he's like the number two guy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because y'all's orchestra and like choir is humongous. Yeah. So, <laughs> if that was just like his one job, I'd be like, yeah, that hire someone else to help him out. Yeah. That is, I'm thinking about how uh, in like more contemporary churches, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like that's a, a loaded term. There's so many different mm-hmm. types of contemporary. Yeah. Southside was considered contemporary compared to where we came from, which was singing out of hymn books, very tradition, only a piano if we're lucky. Mm to you know when jeff was there like we had a band and you know we'd sing like god's not dead every now and then like that that was the big moment yeah um but then there's another level to contemporary which is like cross point yes which is like we're not just changing the music we're like the walls are painted black (laughs) and it's a light show (laughs) but uh i'm thinking about like contemporary churches they just have like your I don't know, say seven people in the band that they're mm-hmm. like working with. Yeah. You guys have, there's like hundreds, right? Yeah, this is about that 80 mark in the choir, uh, seven or eight in the band, and about 10 to 15 in orchestra. That, yeah, that's, that's so mind blowing. Yeah. Because, do they, is there, a, when it comes to making sure these people are showing up every Sunday to perform? Mm hmm. Are 
like what's the rules with that do you know of like uh i feel like i hear a lot of churches struggle with having volunteers who mm-hmm. show up uh, yeah to practice and even sunday morning like you would just get the random call like yeah um i don't feel like coming <laughs> this sunday so you know i know i'm supposed to lead but i'm out yeah <laughs> how um, do y'all structure that to where y'all have that many people who are like dedicated volunteers yeah we don't normally have a huge problem on the commitment side sometimes we do i don't want to say it's like perfect it's nowhere near perfect <laughs> like they, they those people sometimes they just they're not there like other yeah. things come up that kind of thing but i will say a lot of people in our worship ministry they just they love their church okay. they, they really do they love their church and so when it comes to leading in worship they're there they're there. Special events, normal Sundays, they're there, they're ready to go. And we use resources like Planning Center to mm-hmm. send out the information and have them respond um, and that kind of thing. But also our worship pastor, Scoggins, he's mm-hmm. set up a system where he has ministry team leaders. So, that, so he has uh, leaders that communicate with choir members. Like they have their section almost. Like you'll have one person for the bass, one person for the sopranos, altos, and tenors. So they have their group that they they reach out to and communicate yeah. with. And it's the same way with the band and orchestra. You have leaders that communicate with a smaller group. Okay. And so there's so, a lot of delegation. Mm-hmm. And they just help communicate, encourage each other. Um, and I, okay. that, there's probably more to it. But from what I see, I know that's, that's a huge part of it is yeah. um, building up leaders to help communicate with the individuals. Yeah. So... One of the things that stands out about Northside is, and I'm only looking at it from afar. Like Berlin's been there, so she she tells me a lot of what was yeah. going on. Um, from the outside, there's a love for being at Northside. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we are in this. This is our church. Like my buddy Seth, mm-hmm. he plays in our band. Yeah. Uh he was telling me about the like because he goes to VSU. I think he's like a freshman, and uh, we were, we were talking about one day. I was like, "Yeah, do you know Tucker Browning?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then he's like, "Actually, I, there's a lot of people who know you, Austin." And I was like, "What? I didn't go to VSU." Mm-hmm. Like, and m- honestly, most of my friends didn't like. If they went to college, like, they went to Wiregrass, and the ones, the rest of us, we just didn't go to college. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, I don't know who would know me at VSU, and. Later, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if it's the Northside kids. <laughs> That's like the only connection to VSU I really have. And it's not even like a connect. It's like I know of these people mm-hmm. because of Berlin or because of Noah Jenkins or whoever. Yeah. Um, and so I text him. I'm like, are you talking about Northside? Have you met Northside kids? And he's like, oh, yes, I've met the Northside kids. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, they... They, they're like the ones who are like, where do you go to church? Mm-hmm. We'll get you plugged in. And they're definitely like, we're going to get you plugged in the Northside. Like, we want you. That's cool. Which, is yeah, it's cool because they're enthusiastic about their church home, which I think can sometimes be rare depending on where you're at. Um, like, I'm thinking about when I was in high school. Granted, Lanier is a very specific high school. <laughs> <laughs> Like we had, I, I talked to Andrew Rowland because uh, we went to high school together, and he's a coach at Clinch, and he was telling me the difference between 
sports at clinch mm-hmm. versus sports at Lanier. Sports at clinch, like kids grow up dreaming to be on that football team. Yeah, they, uh, the community loves to go and watch the football team, wherever they're at, they're coming. Yeah, Lanier, especially when I was growing up at Lanier, we could have cared less about the football team. <laughs> it was like, oh no, they just they let us hang out during like we go and hang out during their game, but we're sitting by the fence mm-hmm. and we don't know what's going on out there, like. We're just here to hang out with people and get some snacks. Yeah. The, like, there's no enthusiasm for our school. There's no pride for our school. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, we're linear. Like, I, I, going to the bridge when I was in high school, which is in Berrien, like, me and my friends would go from linear to Berrien, and there's a bunch of Berrien kids, and they're like, yeah, Berrien. And they'd, like, talk trash about linear. I'm like, yeah, I agree. Like, it's a trashy school. <laughs> like, I had no love for my school or where we came from. And I feel like in Lanier, that's been one of the struggles that a lot of the churches have had. Is, and there are a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of our churches, for years, we've been, like, in this funk. And we struggle to have people actually want to buy into what's going on. Yeah. And there's lots of things that we could get into that's, like, the reason for people... Sure. becoming disillusioned with the church specifically in Lanier County yeah but uh that's why for you guys at Northside it's so like shocking and eye-catching when you have a group of teenagers running uh, teenagers college students mm-hmm. running up and down their school saying you should be at Northside yeah because it shows how much they actually have bought into the vision they love the community there they feel at home there yeah so what's going on, like, <laughs> what is, I guess, top down, because you've talked to me about your pastor before, and yeah. how he radically, like, changed things up. Yeah. Is he a very, uh, is he constantly on top of you guys about, hey, this is the vision of the church, and we're getting this out. Like, we're, he's casting the vision, mm-hmm. you guys are buying into it, is it a l- lot of that? Yeah, he, he is a huge visionary guy. Um when he so kind of the story though even his vision for Northside when the search committee was looking for the next senior pastor Northside had just gone through a really difficult time like they were they were weeks away from permanently closing their doors but they were still trying to find a pastor to so that didn't happen yeah so they found Pastor Robbie Foster and um, they brought him in and it's like so what's your vision for Northside we want you to come here what's your vision he told them he said I don't have one yet for Northside and they kind of like, what do you mean? You don't have a vision. <laughs> yeah, you kind of a pastor coming. You need a vision. Yeah. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know who y'all are. Y'all have asked me to come, but I don't know who y'all are. And That's not knowing point. what you're passionate about, I can't share the vision for this church. Um, like all. Not all churches are the same. There's yeah. different things that drive different churches, and, yeah. and that's perfectly good. Not every church ha- should be the same. Yeah. So he said, I mean, be there for a year, get to know y'all, pray through it. And then together, we'll discover God's vision for a church. And that's what he did. After one year, he uh, set the vision of Northside. And so, in, in just a statement, it's to live with purpose, leave a legacy through mentoring, ministry, and missions. In a year, that's what he found out to be the drive of that church. Um, and, and then it's just been in specific ministries, um, giving them resources to, to do well over the years um, and to just to be able to do ministries from for all the departments yeah 
but no, he's always giving, uh, from the overall vision, giving smaller visions or branching off of that um, to just keep pushing Northside forward um, to where God wants it to be. And kind of something that recently they've talked is, like a question to ask is, have we reached a point where we're satisfied as a church? Like, do we have enough? Yeah. Have we have we reached the finish line for Northside? And it's just a question to get you think, but hopefully the answer is no. Like yeah. we, we want to keep growing. We want to keep seeing people come to Christ, be baptized, be disciples, so that they then can go back out and just keep repeating the process. Yeah. And so that's kind of a recently been a huge drive, um, just a question to ask is have, have are we satisfied? If we're satisfied, then we need to check our heart. But um hopefully we're not satisfied and we want to keep going forward. Yeah, that's a good question. I, f- I think we, at the time I'm recording this, we just had an elders and deacons meeting mm-hmm. about like kind of the state of our church. And that's one of the things, we didn't say it that nice. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of like the question we were like all wrestling with is where is our church at? Like, are are people done? Like, are, do they feel like they, they've done a good job and that this is it? Like, we can shut doors, we can... Or we can just coast from here on out. That are you satisfied question. I feel like uh, there's been times in my life where as a Christian, maybe consciously or subconsciously, I have felt like I'm satisfied. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. And I can, I can like pump the brakes. But then that's like the dangerous part. You then start coasting or, you know, slacking off, whatever it is. And you get to this point where, like, life is death. <laughs> and there's, like, in me and Berlin, we're talking about, like, Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, what we'd name our kids and stuff like that. And I was like, Alice would be a cool name. Like, we, like, encourage her to, like, view the world as a wonderland. There's so much that God's got out there for you mm-hmm. that's interesting and exciting. Like, don't don't look at the world and be like, oh, this sucks. Like doom and gloom. Yeah. Like don't buy into the pessimism. Look at everything and everyone as uh, a gift from God that you can explore. And I feel like there's times where I've been satisfied. It's or, or stagnant. The thing that snaps me out of that is looking back at when I first became a Christian and mm-hmm. being like, yo. What happened to the the passion that I had before? That what happened to the the zeal of I'm I'm gonna share Jesus with everybody, mm-hmm. even if it annoys the bejesus out of them. Yeah, like, uh, is that phrase of uh, you had the confidence like go to hell with a squirt gun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like I and I as a when I first became a Christian, that was definitely it. Like grew up in church, everything was I grew numb to the gospel and all that stuff and. You uh, you just know the Bible stories. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I get, I, I get your, you're gonna add Jesus at the end and tell people to come to the altar. But then when I actually experienced Jesus, then I was like, no, everyone at my school is going to hell, and I gotta like mm-hmm. step in. I gotta like, I gotta introduce them to this Jesus guy. Like yeah. he's amazing. Who? No one's talking about him. And even feeling that way at my church, being like, yo, why are we not talking about him enough? <laughs> There's just that passion, but I feel like a lot of times you have to, when you ask that question, are you satisfied to your church, you have to be like, do you guys remember 
That's good. When he first got saved. That's good. And then for some of them, I think they'll realize, like, oh, I've never was saved because I never had that that moment. Yeah. That like life changing moment where my entire the course of my entire life shifted. I can think about my dad. He was an addict. And there is a clear difference between pre-Jesus Carl mm-hmm. Gregory and post-Jesus Carl Gregory. Yeah. Like, still s- struggling the same addiction. which just went a very different direction. And, mm-hmm. like, he's he's raised three amazing kids. You know, that being me. Uh, <laughs> but three amazing kids who, they know their dad loves them. Yeah. Pre-Jesus Carl Gregory would have raised three kids and probably been just like his dad who you know had anger issues and abuse and uh just neglect for his family yeah but jesus comes in and it all like radically alters the family history yeah like okay now austin jessica daniel we can't be the same because of what happened in our dad's life it it changed the the course of the gregory family name yeah um I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting you brought it up, though. Here recently, I was reading through Psalms, specifically Psalm 77, and it's a Psalm of Asaph. And, like, the first, I think it's 10 verses. I mean, he's just crying out to God, like, God, where are you? Like, he's searching for God, um, just wanting to know where he's at. God, what's your plan? And he's, like, just really confused and concerned and just heartbroken. God, where are you? And then it's like, complete different tone in the yeah. psalms it's like okay god i will remember who you are god i'll yeah. remember what you've done god i'll remember how mighty you are and just the deep deep love that you have for me yeah and it's and it's that remembering part god yes when you when you first were there when you first came into my life and just going back to there yeah man i love the song they you just reminded me of there's a season uh worth like a year or so i was just reading through the psalms like constantly mm-hmm um, and that was the thing I loved the most is the sh- the tone shift. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> like there'd be moments where like David's like, "Yo, I hope you obliterate everybody." <laughs> like, are they family? I don't care. Kill them. I don't want anything to do with them. And then yeah. like the next line's like, "God forgive me, forgive them." Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that's such a human moment though. Of there's. We're constantly uh, battling the flesh and the spirit in us mm-hmm. of that fleshy side of like, you know, as a, as a Christian, a lot of times you're called to the, to take the, or yeah, you're called to the narrow road and it's harder and you have to forgive people mm-hmm. and you got to be patient with people and you got to like be slow to speak, quick to listen. And that, and that definitely means in those arguments and those tense times where you're like, I want to beat this person to a pulp. Yeah. Like you're called to, to be quiet, and be patient, <laughs> and see this thing through. And, but there's those like those fleshy parts where you're, you just, you seek blood, and you're <laughs> like this is Grand Theft Auto in your mind, and you're 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 destroying, you're wrecking havoc on everything. Yeah. But then, as a Christian, you're also confronted with the spirit and. That's that spirit of Jesus living inside of you that's like, yeah, but you know you can't. You know you can't. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what I was thinking. I'm thinking of Grand Theft Auto too much right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play that game. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you're just confronted with the spirit being like, no, there's there's a different way you got to handle it. Like, you got to slow down. Mm-hmm. You got to 
you gotta pace yourself. You gotta see this person as not, you know, an annoyance in your life. You gotta see them as a blessing. And man, yeah. I want to get into your story though. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is definitely where Charlie helped me out. <laughs> Go, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So you did grow up in church. I did. Okay, and you grew up at uh, the. Is it? It's not Northside. You're at Northside. It's uh, Greenwood. Greenwood. Yes. Greenwood. I grew up at Greenwood, and then I think it was fifth or sixth grade. Um, my dad and I went to Crossroads for a year. Is Greenwood down the road from Crossroads? Uh, it's actually down the road from Northside. Or Northside. Yeah, it's on Park Avenue. Like Is you're it? going towards back to Lakeland. But you don't even get the perimeter yet. It's uh, Greenleaf. You know where Greenleaf is? Okay. So it's this right my, before you get to Greenleaf on the right. Yeah. My boss. Oh, really? He he grew up there. Oh, cool. Which is, yeah. It's like, okay. And I also, it's a very convenient name. Greenwood, Greenleaf, like right next to each other. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think I've ever <laughs> made that connection. <laughs> I, we were passing by. I was like, did they like try to play off of Greenleaf being across the street? <laughs> uh, Just don't get them confused. <laughs> yeah. Big difference. <laughs> um, so you grew up at Greenwood. How long was that? Uh, up until sixth grade, so. Okay. Yeah, like I was. What kind of church was that? Um, more traditional, and it. I don't know about when I was young, but the last couple years we were there that Mm-hmm. I can remember. Yeah. It was a church that was just struggling. They had had pastors come and go. Um, most people were leaving the church. And I think there was some church hurt too, but I was a kid, so I don't even know what that was. I can't even tell you, but it's probably pointless. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the reason we left was, um, and people leaving the church, like it was me and another guy in the youth group. And my dad, he remembers growing up, he wasn't at a big church growing up, but he was at a church that had a thriving youth ministry. And so he wanted me to have a similar experience that he had in a, yeah. in a larger youth ministry. And so that's when we went searching for other churches to looking for that. Okay. So even though he was comfortable at that church, he loved everyone there. Yeah. If my dad did not have me, he would probably still be at that church. <laughs> yeah. But as a dad, he made yeah. a sacrifice for me. It was, yeah. really, it was really cool. Okay. And so... We're going to back up a little bit. Yeah. Your parents got divorced when you were super young, right? Uh, two. Two years old. Yeah. Is your mom in your life, really? or Not not really. I, I see her every once in a while, um, uh, like family events and things like that. Yeah. Um, but growing up, my mom, after they divorced, split custody. Um, she was on drugs and alcohol. Um boyfriends that were abusive and so when i was seven my dad got full custody of me because i came and told him i said i don't want to go i don't want to be around that lifestyle yeah it's just it it wasn't great yeah i know what you mean (laughs) (laughs) um and and so she's gone through rehabs jail all that kind of stuff and here i think she's i think it's getting close to four years or five years clean and so that's impressive yeah, yeah it's good so I did not know that. Okay, this is good. So, uh, what's your relationship personally with like substances and that, like alcohol and stuff like that? Is it like I'll, I'll speak for myself, mm-hmm. and this is definitely for myself, not for my siblings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have their own journey. But for me, as I got older and I understood more of the struggle my dad had with it, mm-hmm. and especially like family history, um, 
but more specifically my dad even seeing him struggle with it because he relapsed not too long ago uh i made the decision like i'm not ever gonna touch that stuff like i'm not gonna go near alcohol mm-hmm. i don't care if you guys do i'm i'm just not gonna even attempt yeah. to have control over that because of i feel like if you see enough people in your family struggle with it mm-hmm. if you're a betting man you should probably not bet that you can, <laughs> yeah. like you're gonna be the one who got control over it yeah. so i'm like i'm just gonna avoid it altogether same with drugs and uh what it did was actually open my eyes up even more to a lot of the people that like i grew up in high school with mm-hmm. um who would come to the bible study i hosted and seeing how much substance abuse and stuff like that can really wreck your life yeah like it is i get the idea of like yo we're just having fun like yeah like we're just chilling out but then i've seen kids who have such it's i'm thinking of one kid in mind i mean him were like best friends in middle school and he was so special like one of the best basketball players i've seen mm-hmm. and he was like, like he killed the drums like amazing <laughs> so it kind of sucked because he got like the two gifts that i def i definitely wanted i wanted to be a, a cool drummer and i wanted to be a really good basketball player and i didn't get either of those and i'm watching this game like dude i'll at least be your best friend yeah uh, <laughs> but watching uh some it, it sucked because i i knew the kids who specifically targeted him mm-hmm. because they knew his mom and they knew like her struggle with like she's in and out of jail she's struggling with addiction dad i don't even remember what happened to him but uh like they they knew this kid struggled and they're like we're gonna we're gonna lure you into our group mm. and we know what we're getting you into and it's it ruined that kid's life yeah. like he completely went downhill and i think he's He's on the up now. Like uh, last I heard, he's uh, got a, a great little family, and he's he's met a, a girl who loves him. And I'm like, thank God, you don't mm. need to be out in these streets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but just it, him and a, a few others that were friends with in high school, watching the impact drugs and alcohol, like addiction, mm-hmm. made on their lives suck because you just see people who have so much value and potential, and even like you just see god working at them and even if they don't know it's god yeah and you're excited Mm -hmm. and then drugs and alcohol come into the picture that addiction and it completely changes the course of their life and then for a lot of people they don't even understand the addiction that they're living with Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother like trap in itself of you if you're not exposed to uh, recovery or like for my dad if he wasn't exposed to jesus there wasn't other christians in his life who would have like he didn't you you don't know that you're poor until you come in contact with a rich family yeah like i, I remember that moment in elementary school mm-hmm. where the girl came out she's like do y'all live in a trailer and i was like uh i live at home not realizing that my home is like a mobile home Mm. like and you just like as a kid you're just like no this is normal yeah you don't realize you're like i didn't realize 
our family was struggling in 08, 09 during like the housing crisis. Yeah. Because like my dad lost his job and all. I didn't realize that's why we were like eating the thing. Like we made pizza out of like pieces of bread Mm -hmm. and you pour like pizza sauce on it and like nuke it in the microwave or what? Like that's our pizza. Yeah. I didn't realize we were doing that because we were poor. Yeah. As a kid, because I was like, no, this is normal. Doesn't everyone do this? And then you get older and you're like, no, people go to Domino's. <laughs> like, <laughs> which now I'm like, even thinking, I'm like, yeah, even like, that's that's just middle class. <laughs> but uh, that's funny. for a lot of families like who struggle with addiction, mm-hmm. you don't know that where you're at is addiction until you come across someone a lot of times who's going through recovery and you're like, oh, there's another way to do life and it's not. Yeah. hooked on whatever substance I'm on. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> what, what what has been your relationship with that? Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up seeing it, and I have, I wouldn't say a lot, I'd say maybe several family members who do drink alcohol, whether yeah. it's just, some that's recreation, some it's to get drunk. Like, yeah. it's full spectrum. Yeah. Um, I, I've never been tempted by drugs and alcohol because I've seen the hurt yeah that it physical hurt uh relational hurt um like i I think of childhood that's a lot of my memories is that yeah and so i i really when it comes to drugs and alcohol i hate it i I really do i do um just because of what i saw as a kid um like i probably wouldn't do this now but i think it was maybe ninth or tenth grade um one of my cousins getting married and came to the reception. They started serving alcohol. I um, I think I, I don't remember if I talked to my brother or my grandpa. I said, yeah, um, I'm not staying. Can y'all take me home? I said, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I, that's how much I hate it. I will leave yeah. a wedding. And I may not be that way now. I was, I was just being a stubborn little kid back then. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they did. They took me home. Because they understood yeah. what yeah. I've seen with alcohol. Um, when I saw it, someone's getting angry and yeah. so that was like i, I don't want to be here <laughs> yeah. um and so i in being more relaxed now my convictions aren't more relaxed i still stand by it i don't i don't yeah. think alcohol is for anyone even yeah. if you're just doing it for recreation for fun at at some point it's almost guaranteed yeah. it's not going to be for recreation or fun yeah it's going to become an addiction in your life yeah so and if Anything I ask is like way too personal. You, you're like, yeah, you're good. We can cut it out. Um, I've heard of like my dad growing up with kind of like an absentee father. I know the effects that had on him, mm-hmm. and like then that vice versa, like even have on me because I'm just he doesn't know how to be a father because he didn't have a father. So things like I'm just gonna try it out on you, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we don't talk in. Like I'm reading this book called The Toxic War Masculinity. And she talks about how uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, warranted unwarranted stuff going around about manhood and the state of men and stuff like that. But she makes this one point in her book about how there's a huge effect that it has on the family when a mom's not there. Mm-hmm. You, I guess, for a large part, your mom's kind of been like in and out, mostly out. I would okay. say, yeah. How would you say that affects the family That, from what you can observe from your own experience? Yeah. Um, 
my dad and I have grown closer. I don't know if it's because of that, but my dad and I are very close. Yeah. Um, I guess it's one of those things I don't really know. I, like I like all my best friends growing up, uh, they weren't divorced families, so I'd go hang out with them, go over to their house, see them. Yeah. Mom and dad, and I, I would they would want to go do stuff away from their mother and dad because they don't want to be around mom and dad. But yeah. I'm okay being there because I've, I I've never seen that interaction. Like, I'm really curious how does a mom and a dad interact at home. Like, it's, yeah. it's interesting to me. And it's the same way when um, I met Kirsten. Yeah. Like, I, I love being around her mom and dad because I, I like seeing a mom and dad interact with each other. Yeah. Um, so how a, not having a mom in my life, how it's affected me, I don't, I don't know because I... I don't know yeah. what it would be like. Yeah, I will say one thing that helped though is uh, my dad's mother. So my grandmother, she was like the mom in my life. Doctors' okay. appointments, dentist, uh, pick me up from school. She did all that kind of stuff. Uh, clothes shopping, that was that was her and our thing. That's what we would go do. And so okay. that kind of helped fill um, that growing up. So it. It never felt like it was just me, and my dad, and we were just secluded, and I didn't have like a mom in my life. But my yeah. grandmother was like that. Don't you have a brother? I do. Okay. Yeah. Is it older or younger? He's older. Okay. He's turning, I think, thirty in November. Wow. Yeah. Wait. What you're? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. I turned twenty-two. It's nine year difference. Yeah. How does that? Yeah. So that, yeah, explain that because I've had like an older sibling. Yeah. They're like six years young or older than me. So he's, the younger six years. Yeah. So he's technically my half brother. We have the same mom but different dads. So my mom was married to his dad. They had my brother. His name's Austin. Cool. Yeah. And so they divorced. I don't know how many years in between. Our mom met my dad, got married, had me. Okay. Are you close with your half-brother? Yeah, awesome. we're close. Like, we have this really odd brother relationship. Like, we don't text each other, call each other regular. Yeah. But whenever we do call, text, or hang out, it's like we were just talking to each other yesterday. Like, okay. I, our relationship can pick up really quick. Yeah. But it's just he and I both busy lives, and yeah. it's, it's hard to find time. Yeah, but, yeah. Does he live in this area? Yeah, he lives, like... This is the crazy part. He lives like five minutes from my house. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So, but no, he's been an awesome brother. Uh, married, he has a kid, so I got a little uh, eight-year-old nephew. Yeah. Um, Does having a nephew make you want to have kids more? Or mm-hmm. okay. yeah, I love my nephew. Okay. Yeah. That's what happened. I want. I've always wanted like a family, but when I met my nieces and nephews mm -hmm. and there's there's four of them now which is bonkers because <laughs> I I just got married I'm like dude let me catch up <laughs> <laughs> the cousins need to hang out slow down <laughs> yeah uh, but when I met them I was like oh no kids are fun like mm -hmm. and I was telling Berlin because like we're just got married so we're like thinking about like okay how many kids we want all this stuff and I'm like I really look forward to wrestling like my dad and me yeah. wrestled so much as yeah. kids and uh and i do that with my nieces and nephews like they love me like picking them up and like body slamming them on the couch mm -hmm. uh and like obviously i hold back a little bit so i'm not like i know you're gonna go to all be, out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
I was like, I I look forward to that. Like mm-hmm. that's gonna be fun. Of like your kids. I heard uh, this guy named Belief. He talked about uh, when you let your kids wrestle with you, what you're you're letting you're showing a side of you that's vulnerable, and you're letting them like get the best of you at times. Like obviously, like you still gotta be dad. You gotta win. So yeah. You gotta, like you gotta knock them out at some point. <laughs> but <laughs> there's moments where you like you got like they got you mm-hmm. and like you got surprised and uh it is like i don't know it's this special moment with you and your kids where the weaker seemingly weaker they get to experience strength against someone who obviously could destroy them yeah but it's a that cool little moment that like as a kid it has a bigger effect on us than we realize mm-hmm. we don't realize it until later on where we're like yeah, I really appreciated like those times where my like I thought I beat my dad in basketball. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he won the overall game, but there was this one point where like I shot over, made the three. Really, he just he took a few steps back, like, made sure that he was a little slower to blocking yeah. me. But those moments where it it just boosts his confidence, and you like, oh, it doesn't matter like who I come up against, like. I, I, if I focus on skill, I work hard, mm-hmm. I can be better than the best, which in your mind as a kid is just your dad. Yeah. Like, he's better at me than everything. Uh, granted, that has not went away at all as I got older. <laughs> like, somehow my dad, broken hip, whatever, you know, you know, his back's going out, it seems like, still can beat me. I'm like, man, what the heck? <laughs> but uh, when it comes to you going north side. Mm-hmm. What? How long were you, you were there from like what sixth grade to junior year? To at, at North, uh, not Northside Crossroads. Crossroads. Um, it was, I think, I can't. It didn't fall on the school year, so it was like from it was like January to like to November. Like it was just one full year. Oh, I think it was like half of sixth, half of seventh grade, if I remember correctly. Okay. So I don't even know how old I was then, but. What was the deal with leaving there? Like. Um, neither my dad or my dad nor myself were getting connected. Um, like it was a great church then. Um, uh, my dad had friends there. I was building connect- some connections, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't where God was wanting us to, to build our, to be our next church home. Okay. And so, and so then y'all are invited to Yeah, so my dad's... Sunday school teacher at Crossroads. He was moving churches also. Like this isn't this isn't this isn't for me either. So he moved. Yeah. He started going, and and then he invited my dad's like, hey, Northside's a cool church. Come on, come check it out. So my dad and I came, and it was it was great. It was, was it as big as it is now? Then no, or? it was I think in the maybe four five hundreds maybe probably closer to the four hundred. How big are y'all now? Uh, eight hundred nine hundred. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a smaller church. Y'all have an odd, like a, a balcony mm-hmm. area. Okay, that's why. Yeah. Um, when I, we went and visited for the Christmas service thing, uh, there were so many people there, <laughs> and so much I was trying to take in. Yeah. Because it's like the stage is slap full people. They're even like standing in front of the stage, right? The orchestra. Uh, the last. This last one, I don't know that they were standing in front that year. Okay, there was one year they were. That may have been that year. Okay, we've done it so many times. <laughs> <ways. laughs> 
I can't remember. I was like, I'm taking all this. I'm like, how how do you get people to come to practice? Like that, that <laughs> I'm going like logistics on how all this works in my mind. And then uh, we found some people from the bridge there, like mm-hmm. supporting their uh, granddaughter. And so like, she's the lady from the bridge is a talker and she was talking my head off during the entire thing i'm like okay yeah 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 uh and then she's like showing me pictures of her grandbaby too i'm like yeah we're here for the service (laughs) um but uh there's so much Mm -hmm. and i was just like uh a kid like at a theme park just looking around trying to take everything in completely missed the balcony (laughs) so that's why when you said 800 i'm like wait where are these people sitting um (laughs) It wasn't that size when my dad and I came. Like, it was, um, so you have the five pew sections on the floor. Yep. It only had the three center sections. Okay. So the outside, what we call, like, the wings, like, you can see the ceiling's different. Yeah. Um, that was added on in 2017, 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yes. So we had joined January of 2015. They had a D-Now coming up in February. My dad made me go. Back then, I was not a people person. Yeah. I did not like talking. I didn't like being around people. You I was just introvert or you just in, like... Yeah, I was okay. an introvert, yeah. I didn't want to be around people. I was just, <laughs> honestly, it just scared me. I yeah. was I was terrified to be around new people. I'm with you. <laughs> My friend thought I was mute for like the first 10 years of us in elementary school. I was like, no, I just... I didn't know what to say to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's like, no, you got to go. The reason we came to a church so that you get connected to a student ministry, and that means yeah. you got to go to the events. And I was like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. And so um, first ever time being at an event like that. Um, so like with the D-Now, you stay at like a host home, and they have worship and preaching, and then they'll have a game yeah. on Saturday. It was the Saturday night. um, pastor was up there speaking and he presented a question similar to this i don't remember exactly how he asked but he said if you were to die tonight you were standing at the gates of heaven and god asked you why should i let you into my heaven what would you say and he'd be, he then began to explain like good works being in church um people thinking you're a good kid all the things we're great at <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he said none of that matters yeah. and in my head i started thinking i was like that's the, that's the reason I thought I was <laughs> saved. Like, I, I, like, I went to a Christian all I school. Got. Yeah. Like, I've been to a Christian school. I knew how to be saved. Like, I could yeah. I could tell someone how to be saved. Like, I, I've been in Christian school, church. Like, I knew how to tell them that. Yeah. But it was never a personal decision in my life. Um, and so that night, I was, I was standing there. I was like, I need to go forward. I need to go forward. But I'm an introvert. <laughs> yep. And... Um, I'm how terrified. I, how can I do this without people noticing? Mm-hmm. And so I started bawling my eyes out right there, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And there was a leader standing right in front of me, and I had to work up the courage like to just grab him on the shoulders like, hey, I need to be saved. Yeah. And so I finally did. He brought me to the youth pastor. I tell the youth pastor that. Um, well, then the youth pastor, he brings me out in front of everybody, hands me a microphone, this is after I've already prayed to receive Christ. Yeah. And so he took me to the corner, led me to Christ, and that kind of thing. So he brings me back in front of everybody. Introvert, by the way, just in case I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I need you to share with everybody. I was like, 
I'm, I'm crying, so I'm even more scared. I was like, now these people think I'm a crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gave my life to Christ today. Tears just coming out of my eyes. Yeah. And they all were happy. No, they didn't yeah. think I was a crybaby. They were excited. Yeah. Um, and so that's when salvation started. And it was at that D-Nell I met my best friend. Okay. And even till this day. Um, uh, so that weekend has always been a special weekend in my life that like we were talking about earlier. I yeah. have to always go back and just remember. So what what's the changes that happened for uh, – because I, I had a similar story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good works thing definitely was the, the thing that knocked me out of place of yeah. youth pastor coming up and being like, yeah, like, even the demons believe. You got anything else? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, frick, this is this is all I got. Yeah. Like, I, I, I thought I did everything. And he's like, no, it, your good works don't save you. And then me wrestling with that and uh, that being the way God saved me. Mm-hmm. But then I remember one of the things I was struggling with those early years being, well, what, how do I follow Jesus if I kind of have already been doing the things that people who follow Jesus do? Like, mm-hmm. how do you have that life? What did, what did your, what changed in your life from before to now? Um, like a huge part of it was like I, I understood scripture in a different way mm-hmm. like before like I was still going to a Christian school at this time and it was a task daily to read your Bible like it, you, you, you started your day out teachers made sure you started your day out reading the Bible and so it was just a task read through the words done let me start on my school work yeah. um, well after that it wasn't a task like I, I, I wanted to know what the Bible said like I I knew the information, what the Bible said. I wanted to know what did God put in that book for me, for my life, to grow closer to Him. Um, Friendships were different. uh, Relationships were different. um, And even my view of the church was different. Like Like, I grew up going to church and I always knew that's what you had to do. But, like, it was even just worship. Like, I, I was excited to go and worship. Like, even though I can't sing and I'm not musically talented, I, I was excited to be in the worship service and sing with other believers because I knew yeah. with we're all singing to the same God, and that was exciting. Just the, it was the heart that changed, but even led to my mind viewing things differently. Yeah. And it's not for me. It's for God. Yeah. Okay. And so I forgot that Charlie pulled this out of you, uh, the going to a Christian school growing mm-hmm. up. Did, was you always in a Christian school? Yeah, like that Christian school, they had a daycare yeah. also. And so I started at daycare at like two or three years old. It was right after my parents' divorce. They put me in that Christian daycare. I grew all the way up, kindergarten, middle school, and I stayed at that Christian school through freshman year. And after freshman year, I was like, I think I want to go to a public school. I just I want that different change. Yeah. And so I went from having eight in my class-ish, sometimes it was five, it always changed, to like 700 in my class at Lowndes. Yeah, that's got to be a huge change. Uh, what would you say was the pros and cons of going to a Christian school growing up? Because um, like I, my my buddy Kobe Tomlinson is like the, he, like the headmaster prince or whatever they mm-hmm. call him at Highland Christian Academy. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things like we've been talking about a lot is um, misconceptions about private Christian education, but also like 
challenges that come with it and pros and cons of like should you send your kid to public school if you're a christian or to private you know christian route and uh like one of the objections i had which he's like that's just a misconception everyone has mm-hmm. uh is that a christian school your kids aren't going to be exposed to sinners like <laughs> i was like i grew up in public school and i always had the impression that like no this is like my mission field mm-hmm. it's where like i get to live my faith out and be different and like share jesus with other people and like this is like my mom and dad they go to work and that's their mission but this is my mission field yeah if you put me in a christian school i have no mission field yeah and then he's like dude we have some of the worst sinners at our school <laughs> he's like we just teach them jesus all throughout the day but that doesn't mean they don't have to make a personal relationship with them yeah. like they have to go through the same process everyone else does with mm-hmm. jesus of you gotta be convicted of your sin you gotta have that you know life-changing moment where jesus is like uh where he he just radically alters your life and yeah so what was your experience growing up in a christian school was it did you feel sheltered did you did you not in experiencing both um like there were people that came through uh like that christian school um that weren't like your greatest people but it was nowhere near the level that i've seen at a public school yeah um like I in going to lounge, like you see way more and you experience way more, but also there's yeah. a larger volume of that. Like yeah, with with more students, you're going to have more problem kids, or yeah. uh, bad kids. In a smaller school, you're going to have smaller group of them, and and it it would always normally work out where the the bad kid. I don't know best way to say that, yeah. but like they didn't stay there long. Year yeah. or two, parents take them somewhere else. Like I don't know if they were trying to. Hopefully, the Christian school would help them. Yeah, um, but they wouldn't stay there long. So, I, at that school, I didn't see a huge, uh, a lot of bad kids yeah. that came through, that I was exposed to different things. Was it? Um, and so then, when you go to lounge, mm-hmm. are you kind of like, who's teaching? Who's your parents? <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit. Like most of my friends, um, like through Northside, then like they went to lounge, mm-hmm. and so they. They would talk about school, so I was kind of somewhat prepared, and they kind of somewhat prepped me and that kind of thing and what to yeah. expect. Um, so when I got there, I had to personally work on, like, my judgment. I was like, are y'all really acting like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, it's not why you came here, not to judge them. <laughs> um, but I, I, it wasn't, like, a huge shock or anything. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I think that growing up in a Christian home there's like all the like critiques about it or whatever but I'm really thankful as I get older that my parents raised me like to know how to read the Bible mm-hmm. know how to pray they constantly had God in the conversation I'm thankful for it the more I get older because I'm looking back and I'm like those like the Jesus loves me song mm-hmm. very simple when I started going through a phase of deconstructing my faith because of some things I was taught in the church that so then ended up being right. Mm-hmm. Um, I go through this deconstruction phase, and I'm, like, seriously questioning, like, you know, maybe I've been, like, uh, 
bamboozled into believing in something that ain't real. And like I'm questioning the resurrection, questioning mm-hmm. like virgin birth, all that stuff, the Bible, like, you know, can we really trust this thing? Um and a lot of it too is like going to uh I was in this reformed church and we're teaching total depravity constantly. And I'm like, yo, I already hate myself. You just telling me I'm totally depraved all the time doesn't help. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that's that's just like one doctrine in the five points of Calvinism. There's like there's other things you gotta bring into that to balance it out and I just think I didn't get a balanced view of everything. Mm-hmm. But uh I'm questioning like my worth, my identity. I'm questioning if God really even did change my life and through that period the thing that like kept me holding on was the Jesus loves me song. Because it's like in a time of my life where I feel disconnected from my faith community because I'm going I'm struggling with all these doubts and I'm like, yeah, but you guys aren't making sense with some of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's not like do you read books at all? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, and I partly felt like they, some of them are sheltered. Like they, I found myself still hanging out with my friends from high school who aren't in the church, but going to church with a bunch of people who, they live inside these four walls and they have no idea what anyone else is saying outside. Yeah, and I'm like, how do y'all do y'all not share the gospel with people who <laughs> like disagree with you? And as I'm struggling with this, feeling disconnected from my faith community, struggling with doubts, questioning if God even did something in my life, that Jesus loves me, yes, I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, it's that simple cliche message mm-hmm. that, like, pierced through and was like, just hold on. Yeah. Like, you're you're struggling with doubt, but I promise you, if you just, like, keep, reci- like, keep reciting this in your brain, wake up every day and say it again, yeah. it's going to have an effect. And obviously that's like part of scripture memorization or meditating on the word is like the more you fill your mind with God's truth, mm-hmm. the more the lies they don't have room in your head. Yeah. And uh I don't really remember where I was going with that, to be honest. <laughs> it's good, whatever you're yeah. sharing. <laughs> it's really good. But uh I asked Andrew Roll in this, because he's the youth pastor at Refuge Church in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Through his ministerial program. He and his wife, Lainey, had to go and visit a bunch of churches and, like, the Church of God uh, organization. And they're exposed to all the different kinds of Church of Gods there are. Yeah. And I asked him, what's, like, what's the thing that's encouraging him about what he's seen, like, as trends in churches? And then what's the thing that's discouraging? And I've asked uh, Kobe Tomlinson the same thing. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm wrestling with this. There's some things in the church that I'm, I'm noticing, and I'm like, that's we should probably be a little more careful over here mm-hmm. but i'm also very encouraged on this other end yeah so you being at Northside, and i'm assuming y'all have a good bit of connections with the churches outside of y'all what's what's the thing that's worrying you about church culture right now and what's the thing that's encouraging you mm. good question <laughs> um let me speak on the encouraging side. I don't have to think some on the discouraging side, but encouraging. Um, I haven't seen some of the other churches that are in our area very well, yeah. um, like what they do. Um, but at, at Northside, what's encouraging is uh, the body of Christ loving to serve. 
Um, so we had an evangelist come through and just uh, for our, our recent crusade and his messages are always just geared towards the church. That's what he yeah. that's what he's really good at. And and in that he was just encouraging our church, um, which he says he, he always talks about our church, but he says always just to, to keep that focus of, of loving your church, serving your church. And our church body they do that. Um, like we have multiple members that serve in different ministries. And I, I think when you have a church body that is uh, actively serving in ministries, they're staying connected to the church, but also staying connected to other believers. Um, so that's one way I've been encouraged with our church, and I think it's even um, gone towards our just the growth and the health of our church where it is now, members loving their church and serving their church. Yeah. Um, like, through God, Northside has impacted all of the members lives yeah some salvation baptism um a, a home uh connections with other believers god's done a lot of that through Northside. yeah and um a way that we can show our thankfulness and gratitude towards god is is giving our time back to the church yeah. his his home for christians yeah um that's one way i'm encouraged uh discouraged I, I don't know right now. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe this will like help you think of something. Uh, one of the things that kind of worrying me and discouraging me a little bit about the church, because me and Berlin have been visiting a few churches, and this is a struggle we've even seen in our own church, and elders mm-hmm. can talk about this, but there it seems like some of. Uh, the, the culture in some of the churches is we are so production oriented of we gotta have the most spectacular service mm. and that like the easy critique is to be like this is why Hillsong imploded like yeah. they're so focused on having this rock concert and like yeah. amping people up but I've seen this in like the 50 person church in a the 50 person church you know in God knows where. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Uh, where they focus so much on what it. L- on producing a service on Sunday and making it look like their church is doing more than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm meaning by that is we have so many programs, so many ministries yeah. that we haven't took the time to say, okay has this family that's been coming to our church for 10 years yeah will they be a faithful christian 30 years from now or are the kids going to fall out of the faith like are we actually discipling people or are we training them up to be uh servants of and i don't want to say what i'm about to say because you kind of it's a similar phrasing of how you just said it <laughs> but good. not meaning different things you're good um or are we s- creating servants of our churches just to keep the name alive yeah of like matt chandler you know one of the things that they've been doing at the village for the past few years is people are coming mm-hmm. because they're like matt chandler's the best preacher and the village's name and wherever they're at in texas dallas or whatever it grew 
and so they have multiple campuses, yeah. huge like mega church. Um, and Matt Chandler was like, ah, I, "This ain't what we're called to. Yeah. We're not called to make sure the village church's name goes down in history as the greatest church." Yeah. And they had a lot of people in the Bible Belt like we we love that we love the legacy of mm-hmm. the church. And so what he did was those campuses that were like live streaming him preaching to all these other spots throughout the city, they started putting pastors there. And they're like, you know what? I'm awesome. Not not only are we putting pastors in these campuses, so they're preaching a completely different sermon than what's going on at the main campus. Mm -hmm. We're going to turn these into their own churches. There we go. So now it's like, I'm going to make up some name, some Red Rock Church, Mm -hmm. the Village Church, First Baptist Church, they're all, they all came from the village church, but they turned into their own churches. Yeah. And so the village's name isn't as big. And he, like his joke was, we're the fastest dying church in America <laughs> because they they started putting to death the village legacy. Yeah. But then not only that, which I loved even more, was he was like, people are coming just to hear me preach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preach less. And so that cult of personality that we love in like American churches mm-hmm. – He's like, I'm gonna be gone the entire summer. I'm not even like I'm gonna be at the church. I'm just not gonna be preaching. Yeah. And we're gonna train up other people to take my spot. That's cool. And so the church he's protecting his own church from buying into that cult of personality where they're like, We're just coming here to hear Matt Chandler preach. Mm-hmm. Instead they're gonna they're gonna be disappointed because some rando is up there that yeah. no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Turns out he's actually better than Matt Chandler. <laughs> but it's because Matt Chandler gave him the opportunity to yeah. grow in his gift and skill. And so then one of my the things that's worried me about the church is us falling into that cult personality trap. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we see so many churches. Hillsong, Mars Hill, uh I think it's Gateway Church is one of the other ones. Uh even Francis Chan's church. Like Francis Chan mm-hmm. was bullied. By Mark Driscoll and James McDonald back in the day, because he left his mega church to go and do a house church, and Mark Driscoll and James McDonald are like, "Are you stupid? Like you could have spawned off ten other churches live stream. Like you're an incredible speaker. You could have live streamed yourself to them, mm-hmm. and you just left all that behind to go to a house church." And Francis Chan was like, "My people weren't coming to hear about Jesus. They were coming to hear me." Yeah, and so he had to like ruthlessly like kill himself in his like his name in his own church and eventually leave because that's the only way he could stop people from coming to his church just to hear him speak and I feel like a lot of smaller churches that I know of look at these bigger churches and they're Mm -hmm. like we want to be like that and so they do that they like they foster this community that yeah. loves their pastor, which is good. We should love our pastors. Yeah. But there's like a dangerous love yeah. of your pastor can do no wrong. He becomes a one-man show, and suddenly the church body isn't a church body. It's just an audience. Yeah. Well, that's a good observation. That's... What did – yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you got me even thinking about like even inside my ministry, make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> and it's tough because like – you probably don't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like we all get into ministry. I, don't know, I hope <laughs> we we all get into ministry because we fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. He changed our lives, and 
me and you probably had the same thing. We're, we were introverts. Mm-hmm. This was not something that we're like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to talk to hundreds of people every week about Jesus. That probably wasn't what we imagined our life to become. But mm-hmm. God changed it so radically mm-hmm. that he's like, I'm turning these introverts into some extroverts. Yeah. And, you know, we're just hungry to share what Jesus done in our lives with others. Yeah. But then the problem is, is like, we get so good at the skill of preaching mm-hmm. and the skill of leading that we miss how it's affecting the people in the pews. Yeah. And, you know, when I first came to the bridge, uh, anything I say about the bridge, I'm putting this out there. Mm-hmm. I've said to the people at the bridge, like uh-huh. whether I've preached to them and said this to the, like from the stage, or I've said this in person yeah. to like even our pastor. When I first came to the bridge, or came back to the bridge. One of the things I did was I sat down with members. Mm-hmm. They didn't know who I was because I'd been gone for a while. And so I got to kind of sneak back in. People were like, yeah, he kind of looks familiar, but I don't really know him. Yeah. And I'd take them out to coffee. And I'd ask the same questions over and over again. I'd be like, okay, like, tell me your story, all that stuff. What's the good thing you see at the bridge? And what's something you've been struggling with at the bridge? Mm-hmm. And they all had the same issue with the struggling part. But uh, what it did was it gave me this leverage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the best word. It gave me this leverage, though, to the way I was going to approach ministry at the bridge mm-hmm. was going to be on the people's behalf. Mm-hmm. Of Sometimes, as leaders in the church, we get so consumed with the work because we're, we're in all the meetings. We're, we see behind the scenes because we are behind the scenes yeah. that we forget what the people out in the congregation are actually experiencing. Mm. And so, you know, I, th- I would assume it's kind of like a, I don't I'm not this is going to be a sports analogy. I don't know if it'll work. But uh, boxers, they, they train mm-hmm. for months in camp or whatever, and then they go box. And that box, uh, their, their match is that's a box that shows you how like uneducated <laughs> i am about sports that box uh i was like yeah that sounds right to me <laughs> uh but that match is recorded yeah part of their training for the next camp is they're going to go and critique how they box how they performed in that last match mm-hmm. so they can see from the outside perspective of how they're how they're doing and i've heard of preachers do this with like their their actual like gifts or skill in preaching of they go back and rewatch mm-hmm. old sermons they preached and they pick up on like cues of okay I say um way too much yeah. gotta cut that out yeah um I am kind of all over the place and so I need to work on structuring my sermon more mm-hmm. uh I'm monotone so I need to like learn how to raise and you know lower my voice at certain points and whatnot and so you like you learn the gift and skill of preaching yeah by critiquing yourself or critiquing others, which is also fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that as church leadership, we have to make it a discipline to take a break every now and then and go out and experience what the members are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's gotten increasingly harder to do that at the bridge as a leader because people come up to you. Like you, you can't sit back and just act like a member because people know you're not a, just a member. You're 
you're the youth pastor or yeah. you're if you're the senior pastor then you're really kind of yeah, screwed. You don't know. <laughs> yeah you're probably not getting uh gonna get that outsider perspective of your own church as a lead pastor because mm-hmm. you're the guy yeah um but going to other churches mm-hmm. so like that's part of why me and berlin have been visiting other churches we're like when we kind of needed a break from the ministry life and we're just like let's just take a breather have a sunday basically off mm-hmm. but also let's experience church as people who are in leadership and yeah. see what's going on so we go to these other churches and we're mm-hmm. like oh they don't welcome like we need to make sure at the bridge we create an experience for the guests mm-hmm. that makes them feel at home yeah not so that they don't feel like outsiders when they come in because that, that I think you said it before, the church is the family of God, mm-hmm. right? The, the the body of Christ. Well, if you're an outsider and you're coming into this, and you can walk through a, a sanctuary and there's hundreds of people and no one speaks to you, it's probably an issue. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> and so, like that, that's just one of the things like we've been trying to do is like, okay, we'll visit these other churches, see things that can open our eyes up to issues that we may have at the bridge mm-hmm. so that we can identify the things that have been kind of a blind spot for us at the bridge. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, back to, uh, I forgot the original question. It was like a pro-con question, yeah. and I forgot the original question. Uh, uh, encouraging, discouraging. Discouraging, yeah. okay, yes. Something you said, and I can't even remember how you worded it now, um, that brought something to mind. In uh, looking back, and it's kind of even my dr- my passion for student ministry. Um, growing up, and people I grew up with, or even I saw in middle school, high school, as I had come through student ministry, um, most of them aren't in church anymore. From when I when I saw those high schoolers from the middle school, and even when I was in high school, um, there were more that are still in church. Um, like a lot of my friends, I know they're still in church or they've gone, moved away to college. I know they're connected with local churches there, but yeah. I know there's some that aren't. Um, and my passion for student ministry and where I've seen at least at Northside and even other churches where they fail is to train up the next generation of leaders. Yes. Yeah. Um, like even on that side of church leadership, we don't always think about Who's okay? Who's coming to take the baton after I'm done? Like, yes. who's going to keep the mission to keep going? Like, you see that in Paul. Like, he's training up people yep. all the time to for these different churches. Mm-hmm. How is the local church doing that for that church, but also to send out to other churches? And so, um, I'd say that's the one discouraging thing I see in local churches. Like, we just get caught up on just Sunday mornings, and now yeah. we don't look forward into building and preparing for the future. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I like kind of the the statement for student ministry um, and kind of a vision to, to sh- I've shared with our students. Um, we want to train up the next generation of leaders. Yeah. Um, and we want to do that for all ministries, not yeah. just student ministry, but like I want to train up other guys to be preachers. I want to train yeah. up other guys and girls to be teachers. I yeah. want to train up other ones to be media, worship, nursery, um, Security, like yeah. all those, all of those areas in churches um, that even the ones I didn't name off, the little tiny jobs. Um, yeah. We need to train up people to f- help fill those positions um, because when all those uh, when all those ministries have their people, they can focus on the mission of that ministry. Yeah, 
which is ultimately just to share the gospel with people and disciple more people. Dude, I love that. It's encouraging because you guys are at a pretty large church for like in our area. I don't know what when a church becomes a mega church, but I like don't either. In our area, there are like mega church. Yeah. <laughs> but to hear the youth pastor say that my goal is to like disciple my students up so mm-hmm. that they take my spot. Yeah. That's like a big deal because a lot of times we're not like we don't want someone taking our spot. <laughs> no, no, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but you're 21 years old and you're saying I'm already looking for the guy who's going to be the next youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And like that that's just encouraging because it's like okay. It's not a small church big church issue. Like it's not like they have different issues. It's we all have the same issues essentially. Yeah. Because, like, we, we know those old churches that have been around for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They're small. they got 50 people there. And my question is always, all your people are, like, 70 years old. Who's taking this thing over when y'all are done? Mm-hmm. Like, you guys got, like, maybe 10 years left. <laughs> That's always my, my, like where I'm at when I visit those churches. But to hear a church at you all size, like, from you in leadership saying, yeah, I'm – the goal of me doing ministry mm-hmm. is to train up other believers in Jesus to keep this thing going yeah. long past the time I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. That's just, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Man. Okay. Um, kind of last question. Mm-hmm. You told me before you want to be a senior pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why in the heck? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about this morning. So, like, uh, I think it's a Charles Spurgeon quote. Uh, he says that, you know you should be a pastor when that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. If you can do anything else, go do that. Because yeah. a pastoral job is a hard job. And it will crush some souls. Yeah. Uh, why on earth would you <laughs> want to be? I'm saying this as someone who, like, I similar aspirations like i want to be a pastor yeah because i feel called to but what is it about that job that that despite any pressures or hardships you're like i'm i'm sticking on this path yeah god told me to (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can explain a lot more and and then that's the spiritual side of it like it, it, it is a call from god yeah um but even on like the personal aspect um uh so even inside student ministry, I love equipping other people for ministry, so that even it's not I'm I, I'm not doing all the work inside yeah. student ministry. I love equipping parents. I love equipping students um, to help take the ministry and go forward. Yeah, and you know that's part of a senior pastor's position, like um, small church or big church. Like he's equipping other ministries to go forward in their specific area. Yeah. Um, I love the leadership aspect of it. Have no idea if I'll be good at be good at it, but I love the leadership aspect yeah. of it. Um, but even just the even when it comes to the the Sunday morning preaching, um, like I've I've gotten to preach at our outer church on Sunday nights, and that's a that's just a huge draw of it. Like on the personal aspect, like yeah. I'm not on the spiritual side of. It. I'm just on the personal aspect. Getting to preach to the whole congregation um, is—it's it, exciting yeah. to it's me. It's fun, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but even on the the spiritual side it goes back to what i shared about student ministry as what the drive is to train up the next generation of leaders that's that's my personal heart like my, my life verse is psalm 71 17 and 18 oh god from my youth you have taught me and i will still proclaim your wondrous deeds to the next generation even when i'm old and gray i will still proclaim your mighty works like sweet and even as a senior pastor, when I'm old and gray, hopefully not bald, just old and gray, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I still want to proclaim your mighty works and train up the next generation. Yeah. And um, and I think from a, a larger view as a senior pastor, um, they're more equipped to do that. 